Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited that you're joining me today. On today's episode, I'm sharing an interview with Martha McKittrick. She's a registered dietitian and PCOS expert. And this is a follow-up from last week's episode where I interviewed Dr. Elise Goldberg. As you know, September is PCOS Awareness Month. And so I wanted to share from some of the experts in this field so that my women listeners can have some more knowledge around PCOS and how it can be managed. And men, if you are listening, you need to share this with women in your life, please. Um, in this interview, she Martha shares so many nuggets of wisdom, so much gold to help women with PCOS. And also, I just love her energy. Before I jump in, I really want to say thank you for listening and reviewing. I appreciate all of you who have taken the time to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to highlight a review from a listener. She goes by the name BusyMum82. She says, thoroughly enjoyable to listen to. Eye-opening how multifaceted this area is. It's evident to see Dr. High's passion for her work. The practical steps outlined are achievable to attain. Looking forward to the next episode. Thank you so much, BusyMum82. I really, really appreciate you uh, posting that. I want this podcast to be empowering and practical, and um, so it's so great to hear it. And the more that you share this with your family and friends, the more that we can help people together to live their best life and to thrive beyond the scale. So thank you. All right, back to today's episode. Let me introduce my guest, Martha McKittrick. She is a registered dietitian who has been specializing in PCOS for the past 20 years. Her mission is to spread awareness to health professionals, the lay public, and most importantly, women with PCOS. Martha's coaching uses real food and lifestyle and behavior changes to decrease symptoms of PCOS, help women meet their goals, and live their best life. I love that. Similar to my mission. She is a pioneer in the field of nutrition for PCOS. She wrote two of the first nutrition articles on PCOS published in peer-reviewed journals in 2000 and 2002. Martha has lectured on diet and PCOS at the PCOSA conferences in New York City, San Diego, Philadelphia, and Rye, New York. In addition, uh, she also enjoys educating health professionals. She's lectured to the Long Island Dietetic Association, Florida State Dietetic Association, Greater New York uh, Dietetic Association, um, lots of different medical conferences. She sits uh, on the health advisory board of the PCOS Challenge. She's a returning speaker for their annual symposiums. So she's pretty amazing. She's a very busy lady. You can find her on social media at the.pcos.dietitian. And on Facebook, PCOS nutritionist Martha McKittrick. She also has a website, and she's going to share that with us at the end. So without further ado, here is the interview. Enjoy. All right, Martha, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. You have so much experience. I mentioned before to you that I've been following you on social media, and I love the message that you have. So um, before we kind of jump into talking about PCOS, maybe tell us a little bit about you and how you've arrived at this point in your career. Thanks, Sasha. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so passionate about helping to spread awareness about PCOS. Um, in a nutshell, I've been a dietitian for a very long time. I hate to even say showing my age here, but it, it's been over 25 years. Um, I started out working in a major hospital in New York City, wearing many different hats. I was a fitness instructor at one point, working in all different areas of nutrition. 
And I kind of stumbled into PCOS in about 2000. I was also working part-time for WebMD, running one of their message boards. And somebody had kind of asked a question saying they were having a hard time losing weight. They were on a low calorie diet. Um, this was, I guess, before HIPAA, because she told me a lot about a lot about her. And um, she said she had PCOS. And I'm like, hmm, PCOS. Like, I've heard of that. I didn't know that much about it. This was in 2000. So I did some research on it. I found out there was insulin resistance involved. So I kind of changed a little bit about what she was doing. She became a private client of mine also. And so we, you know, we put her on less of a low fat, a less, she was on a very low fat diet. So we changed her diet. We changed her exercise. And long story short, she was able to lose weight. Her periods got more regular. She felt a lot better. And she introduced me to a physician at New York City, Dr. Walter Futterwhite, who specialized in PCOS. And I kind of got into the whole PCOS kind of network. I wrote two chapters in his book on nutrition. I lectured across the country to women with PCOS, to health professionals, um, registered dietitians. And that's kind of how it grew. So that started in 2000. I had uh, a couple um, articles published in peer-reviewed journals on it. I guess what drew me in is that, I mean, I love helping people. I'm in the medical field, but what drew me in is that um, I saw how these women were like really struggling and they were getting very little help, very little direction, just mainly being told to go on the birth control pill, lose weight. Like it's all focused on weight. Nobody's really giving them help. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's what drew me in because I saw how nutrition and lifestyle could have a huge difference. But then fast forward, you know, 20 years later, we still need to learn a lot more, but we have learned more that we know now, you know, it's not just low carb diets. It's not just weight loss. Now we know uh, there are different drivers of PCOS, which we can get into later. You know, we have to talk about gut health and inflammation and stress and not everybody needs to be on a low carb diet. So it's super individualized. And now we do more supplements, but there's so much that we can do to help people who have PCOS. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. And there's so much misinformation on social media, right? I mean, I think we both know social media is a blessing and a curse. Um, We can really educate ourselves and, you know, that's awesome. But when, you know, you find out you have PCOS, you go on Instagram or you go on social media and everything you read is conflicting and almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting to hear you say now all that's available, all that's known, the different supplements, different strategies, because, you know, from a Physician perspective, I have to say, I've reviewed the guidelines on the treatment of PCOS and it still just says weight loss, right? Like uh, oral hormonal uh, therapy is kind of first line and then, and then weight loss. And like, it it just stops there. So tell us more about like how you've learned about the effective lifestyle and dietary treatments. Yeah. So, I mean, there's conventional medicine. You're right. That's what the guidelines say. They do talk about weight loss. And I think they mention the supplements in Ocetol and they say, you know, there's some research, but we need a lot more research. And there's actually quite a bit of research on in Ocetol. I'm a big fan of myo-inositol and decairo-inositol. If you go into PubMed, there's a lot of studies there. So I think a lot of this is there are kind of these like pop-up studies, and it, but there are more and more studies done. Like, for example, there are some really interesting studies done on the gut microbiome and PCOS and possibly how um, the gut microbiome may even cause PCOS or if mm, it doesn't wow. cause it, it can certainly make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some studies done in, I think, monkeys show that um, being exposed to endocrine disruptors in the womb 
can actually cause PCOS. So there are all these studies that are out there. And the thing is, we need more studies, right? I think in the United States, the NIH only, um, um, I think it's 0.1% of all funding for research is directed towards PCOS. Um, So we need more research for funding. We need more awareness. So more physicians, more healthcare practitioners, more people with PCOS can learn about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, how did I figure all these little things? I guess it's through reading. It's, I try to read a lot. I read a lot of like functional medicine practitioner, um, um, you know, podcasts and, and blogs, but I'm always looking for research because sometimes you'll hear things like, for example, I mean, one thing I will say that drives me nuts is when you hear about PCOS types. And that does tend to come from functional medicine practitioners. And, you know, people think, oh, you know, I have this type of PCOS. And you, th- you, you take a quiz, right? So you'll take a quiz. Okay, if I have a lot of inflammation or if I have a lot of stress, like then stress is my type or inflammation is my type or I have post-pill PCOS, that's my type. And mm-hmm. then I have to follow these guidelines that the quiz gives you. So if inflammation is my type, I have to cut out gluten and dairy or I can't do a lot of cardio. And that's like one of my pet peeves. I don't believe in that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that most people with PCOS have, I like to call them drivers. And um, we don't know what causes PCOS, but we do know certain things can drive it and make it worse. And um, studies vary, but it's anywhere up to 95% of all people with PCOS have some degree of insulin resistance. You know, some people have a lot more, uh, but most people have some. Same thing with inflammation, like low-grade inflammation is a hallmark feature of PCOS. So how can you say, I have the inflammatory type? Like, so if you don't have that type, that means you should go have, you know, all these foods that can cause inflammation. So I think it just makes it really confusing. And I think that whole type thing, um, like I said, put people like kind of put themselves into a box and and then they, they think they can't eat this. They can't have gluten. They can't have dairy. They can't do intense cardio where I'm really more about, you have to listen to your body. And I think we both know that PCOS can change month to month, year to year. Like for example, during the whole pandemic, um, I found a lot of my clients with PCOS, their symptoms got a lot of worse because the stress was, was wreaking havoc in their body, like more cortisol, um, more chronic inflammation, that whole thing. Uh, their symptoms got worse. Um, and maybe at some points of someone's life, they might have worsened insulin resistance. Other times it's less. So it changes. So I like people to just understand kind of what's driving their PCOS and then just do everything they can using um, multiple areas. Like, you know, I like to talk about obviously nutrition. Um, I like to talk about different kinds of exercise. I really focus on stress management, getting enough sleep, uh, emotional health. A lot of people have had a lot of stress when they were younger or maybe some emotional trauma. Uh, They have to deal with that in order to fully deal with their PCOS. And then, of course, targeted supplementation. That's one of the things that also drives me crazy You know, when you read online, like, oh, if you have hair loss, just take this supplement and your hair, you know, you'll grow a full head of hair. Well, it's not that easy. (laughs) I wish it was, but Mm you've got to kind of deal with your hormone imbalances. You know, do you have high levels of testosterone? How can we get that down through nutrition and lifestyle and sometimes medications? But you have to get to the root or your drivers of your PCOS to really help your symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of people fall prey to buying all kinds of supplements that don't necessarily work for them. Um, and then medications at some point are needed as well. So uh, you have to find what works for you, really. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so interesting. And I'm so happy to have you on the podcast because I think, you know, I respect conventional medicine so much, but I also acknowledge its limitations. And so you bring such a balanced view of the, of kind of some of the other understandings that we have. So tell us a little bit, can, can you give us a starting point from a nutritional perspective? If a woman's been diagnosed with PCOS, like what, what does she start with, if anything? Um, the first thing I would say is like, take a deep breath, right? And, and mm-hmm. go ahead and use social media, but I guess be careful who you're following and what you're listening to. Just could be, just because somebody has 200,000 followers and they're saying you have to avoid gluten and dairy or you can't do intense cardio or you can't weight train, like be careful. So be careful what you read online. Anytime you're told all people with PCOS need to avoid this or need to do this, right there, it's a red flag. So, so that's the first first thing I would say, find some reputable organizations. Um, I'm doing work with the PCOS challenge. They're an amazing nonprofit organization. Um, and they're really passionate about education and funding and all that getting funding. So find some, some really good people to follow and kind of start with the basics. I mean, I think, uh, maybe the first thing is, is to just have a mindset where, you know, you can take charge of this. Like, you know, you want to feel like you can do it rather than feeling, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. So you can do it. Be patient. Really start to educate yourself. But maybe the first thing might be to really take a look at what your diet's like. And um, I really am a believer of, of what you can add into your diet versus opposed to what you have to cut out. So mm, that's take great. a look at your diet. You know, are you eating enough fiber? Are you eating whole grains? Are you having enough vegetables? Are you having healthy fats? Um, Maybe we could look at and say, well, I would limit added sugars, like, you know, sweetened drinks and sweetened iced teas and soda and all that. I would add it, add food. I would limit food to a lot of added sugar. I would try to choose more whole grains over processed or refined carbohydrates, like whole grain bread over, over white bread, that kind of thing. Um, very importantly, I would try to think of my, of my meals as being like a balanced plate. I call it the piece to his plate, like where maybe half of your meal would be vegetables. A quarter would come from protein. A quarter would come from a high fiber carb and then some fat. So it's very important to have fat at your meal, some avocado or some, um, extra virgin olive oil or extra virgin coconut oil, something like that, or salad dressing. Cause when you add fat, it really helps to slow the rise and the fall of your blood sugar. And when you slow the rise and fall of blood sugar, you're going to prevent insulin spikes. And that's, Mm -hmm. like I said, most people are insulin resistant. So you want to prevent those spikes. And even if you're not insulin resistant, you want to have balanced blood sugar because when you do that, it's going to improve your mood. It will help decrease um, inflammation. It helps prevent cortisol spikes. Um, there's a lot that a lot of benefits to balancing blood sugar. So it's really important. So, so we have so far the mentality about adding foods in versus restricting, um, choosing healthy types of carbohydrates, limiting added sugars, trying to eat a lot of fiber, um, have the balanced plate. Um, and so that's where I would start with nutrition. And then it would be fine-tuned for the person. Like if somebody mm-hmm. is very insulin resistant, I might say, you know, maybe you would take your carbs a little bit lower. Um, but if you're not very insulin resistant, especially if you're lean, like the last thing you want to do is be on a really low carb diet. And it kind of breaks my heart when I have these people who come to me who are very lean and they're told by their doctor, you have to go keto. You have to cut out all carbs. You can't have any fruit. 
it's creating almost eating disorders when you're constantly told you can't have that, you can't have that. And that's mm-hmm. regardless of your body weight, really. Yeah. Um, there are much, much higher levels of eating disorders and anxiety with PCOS. Um, and in part, that could be due to just what's out there, what you're told by your doctor or what you read online. Like everything is restriction. Like who wants to have a life where you can't have any bread, rice, pasta, you can't have any fruit. It's like everything is restriction. You can't have any wine. You can't have any coffee. It's like you have to eat organic. Like what's left to eat? Like that's horrible, you know? And then you, you'll you try to do that. And then of course you're going to fail. Then you beat yourself up and you're caught up in this vicious, vicious cycle, uh, which will probably lead you to gain weight. Um, eating too few calories can cause you to gain weight too. But certainly having that that kind of mentality, that restriction, that can lead to eating disorders and binging and all that. So it's really important to just kind of take a step back at, from that and think about what you can add your, to your diet and nourish it. So that's where I would tell somebody to start from a nutrition standpoint. And then there's, you know, mm. there's movement piece and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I love that idea of what can we add? What yeah. can we give you that nourishes your body instead of right. focusing on what we're taking away? So yeah, let's talk about the movement piece then. Yeah, movement's huge. Um, and it can help like pretty much all of the drivers of PCOS. So movement or exercise, you know, I kind of go back and forth on what term I use, but um, it can help to improve insulin resistance because when you are working your muscles, whether it's cardio, whether it's walking, whether it's weight training, especially weight training, actually, when you work your muscles, I like to explain to my clients, uh, when you work the muscle, it's like your muscle is sucking the sugar in to use for energy and you don't have to keep making all the insulin to open the door. So it's like you let your body make less insulin and you suck the sugar into the cell. Mm. And that's a good thing because yeah, you don't that's a great want description. to make it all this extra insulin when you have PCOS. So, so yeah. movement is really important to help lower insulin levels. Uh, it can improve um, mood. It can help improve gut health. It can help manage stress. Uh, it can help with weight management to a point, but I don't like to focus on weight, but it has many, many health benefits. It can actually help lower androgens. So um, I almost, I think it's like the best medicine you could take is to really move your body. And yep. it, it makes people feel better. I think just moving your body more, it just makes you feel more empowered. You feel stronger. And a barrier that a lot of my clients have to movement is um, they're tired a lot. You know, I have this, this overwhelming fatigue and lack of motivation and the motive, and maybe they're not motivated because they've tried in the past and they didn't see any results uh, or they're just too tired or they're confused because you read, don't do this exercise, do this. If you have this type, all this stuff out there. And so people, you know, some people just don't want to move. So I really start on with very, very small goals. Just start out going for a walk, 15 minute walk, and then start to build on that. Yeah. Um, so, th- so that's where I would start and keep it in mind, like what it's also doing to your body internally. I had one client recently who she was a little frustrated because she'd want to lose weight and the weight wasn't moving that much, but she was working out pretty regularly. And I said, well, let's get your blood checked again. Let's see if anything changed in your blood. And I think it had been four months. So she got her blood checked. Her testosterone levels came down dramatically. Her blood sugar, she had had prediabetes. Now it was in a normal range and her cholesterol came down. So you know, that was huge. And that was really due to her exercise. So we need to look at other things, you know, not just weight on the scale. Are you feeling more fit? Are you feeling more energized? Maybe your clothes are fitting looser, you're building some muscle. So there are so many benefits to movement. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's fantastic. I love calling it movement as well because it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit of like, I have to work out and like hit the gym and it just, you know, it's just moving our bodies and how that, I feel like it brings a sense of like mastery and empowerment when you're moving that, uh, that has so many benefits. Yeah. And find something that you like. Um, I recently had a client and, you know, everything I suggested, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, I said, what do you, what do you want to do? And she said, I, I would love to ride a bike. And she, you know, she'd gained a lot of weight. She was close to 300 pounds and she had a bike, but she was afraid to ride it. And I said, um, she thought she would get too tired or she'd get hurt. I said, why don't you just try to ride around the block? And, and she, long story short, you know, nine months later, she now is biking 15 miles up huge hills with her husband three times a week. And she just wow. did a 45 mile bike race. Um, and she also actually lost a lot of weight too, but but she started out just walking 10 minutes and she built up very slowly finding something that she liked. So that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I have a client who just messaged me yesterday to say that she's taking hula hoop classes. So I was oh, like, amazing. Oh, I would never have thought oh, of that. That yeah, is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, so great. Yeah. So good. Okay. Can you tell us, Martha, a little bit about some of the supplements? Because this is definitely an area that is, you know, not necessarily within my field, but I'm really interested in hearing how some of the supplements can benefit and why we would use them for women with PCOS. Right. Exactly. Um, The first thing I like to do is get blood blood work done to see if there are any outright deficiencies. And what I almost always see with everybody is a vitamin D deficiency. I think 85% of people with PCOS are vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D is actually a hormone. It plays a role in helping decrease inflammation, insulin resistance. It aids with fertility. It's like everything. So you probably are going to need a vitamin D supplement. So that's number one. I usually recommend that you keep your vitamin D levels between like 30 and even 90. It depends what your country you're in and what your lab, what the range is there, but you want that to be in range. Most people need at least 2000 IUs, if not 4,000, but again, it depends on the person. So that's, that's one. Uh, If you're taking metformin, you definitely want to check for vitamin B12 deficiencies, which can be very common. So I would check with that. Um, so those are two that, that a lot of people need. And then, so moving on another one, I'm a really big fan of is inositol and inositol. It's like a B vitamin. It's not quite, but it's like it. And envision when, um, as I said before, like when your blood sugar goes up, the insulin has to open the door to the cell to get the blood sugar in. And sometimes your body has a hard time opening the door Inositol helps to open the door to get the sugar into the cell. And studies have shown that people with PCOS tend to be deficient in inositol in the body because we our body makes inositol. Um, so we tend to be deficient. So the door doesn't open that well. So the sugar stays in the blood. We make too much insulin. Inositol can help to open the door. I like mm-hmm. uh, myo-inositol and I like uh, D-chiro, the combination. Um there are a couple of brands I like, but I won't say what they are, but, but, um, so that's another one that I really like is inositol. If, especially if you're insulin resistant, uh, that's what most of the studies have been shown. It also can help lower cholesterol. Um, it has other benefits can help lower androgens. Um, so that's, that's probably my favorite. I also like one called NAC mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to say it wrong. You probably know it better. It's N-acetylcysteine. N-acetylcysteine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, yep. so that that's actually a really powerful one, and I had heard—I don't know if this is true or not—I had heard that uh, Amazon was going to stop selling it because it was so powerful. Because I think they were even using it like in some COVID treatments or something. Um, I don't know how accurate it is that it's stopping being sold online, hmm. but that's another one. That's a very very powerful antioxidant that can really help with inflammation. 
And they've done some studies on that where it can really help PCOS a lot. Um, it can help again to lower uh, androgens. It can help with ovulation, um, many men with insulin resistance. So that's another one that I like. Mm. Um, NAC. And there's really no downside to taking it. So those are kind of my standbys. And then, you know, magnesium can be important too. Um, there's no great blood test for magnesium because only 1% of magnesium is in, the, is in the blood. So even if you get your magnesium tested, it's not super accurate. Um, yeah. But I do think magnesium is a good one, especially if you have sleep troubles. Um, <clears throat> if you have constipation, you can get a form of magnesium that can help with that. But I think taking magnesium at bedtime is awesome. And that may also help with insulin resistance and blood sugar. So that's one that I like in mood too. Um, and then sometimes I would, um, if somebody was having trouble with symptoms of like acne or hair loss or hair growth, I might recommend zinc, which could be another one that could mm-hmm. be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. again, I don't think everybody needs to jump in and take every single one, but those are yeah. kind of the standbys that I recommend. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's actually quite consistent with some of the things that we do with our patients. So tell me what are the outcomes that you're looking for? So you're working with one of your clients who has PCOS. Um, how do you know that the treatment is working and what would they experience as the change for them, the transformation? Great question. I just did a, actually a post on Instagram on this. Um, I would first see what are their main concerns, right? Because everybody's different. Somebody yeah. who's 45 years old, they might want to... Um, reverse their pre-diabetes or, or lower their cholesterol, that kind of thing, or decrease their hair growth, or maybe somebody who's 25 might be looking for pregnancy and ovulation. Right. Everybody's different. So you need to look at what are their goals. Yeah. So, so the out in, in, in kind of things I see across the board would be fatigue, frustration, confusion. Hmm. And then, so we have those three, and then some people want to lose weight. And then we have the symptoms, as I just said. So I have to find out where they are, what's most important to them. And so the initial outcomes that could happen anywhere from one week to maybe three weeks would be that your energy starts to improve. You start to have fewer carbohydrate cravings. Maybe you start to sleep better. You're starting to feel a little less stressed, like, hey, maybe I, can, maybe I got this. So um, not huge outcomes, but you're, something happens. And usually mm-hmm. it's energy craving kind of thing. Um, so that's where it starts. And then moving on, you know, maybe weeks like four to eight, then you can start to see maybe that your clothes start to fit a little looser. You start to have more endurance for your exercise. You start to look forward more to your exercise. Some people can start to see an improvement in their skin. Um, so those types of things. And then maybe week eight in moving on, um, we could start to see somebody have more regular cycles, like something yeah. like ovulation and more regular cycles. Some of the supplements, for example, the, um, the, inos- the inositol, myonositol, dechironositol, it can take three months to really work. So it depends. I've had clients where all of a sudden they've started a regular cycle after two months. Other people, it takes six months. So that depends. Um, so pregnancy, again, it depends on the person. It, I would say at least three months, if not six the things that take longer to really show an improvement would be any hair issues, especially regrowing some hair. I think that's one of the most difficult ones. And the one ones that's one of the most upsetting ones mm. um, is if you've lost a lot of hair to regrow hair, there's no magical answers for that. You know, first you kind of want to rule out, do you have a thyroid disorder? Like rule out the medical stuff first. Do you have an iron deficiency? Uh, do you have anemia like that kind of thing? Do you, yeah. Are you having enough protein? 
Um, but then as you start to kind of regulate your hormones and lower your testosterone and maybe add in some supplements, you should hopefully see a decrease in hair loss and hair growth. But again, it could take six months. So it mm-hmm. depends, you know, there is, mm-hmm. that's why people, we just have to manage expectations just because you, you know, added any supplements, you change your diet. Don't expect within three, three weeks. Oh, everything's going to be better. It takes a while. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. stay the course and you may need medications too, hundred uh, percent, you may need medications, but if you stay the course, you should see an improvement. And some people see such an improvement that they almost feel like they don't have peace to us anymore. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is like, that's so hopeful because I know so many women, as you mentioned earlier, there's confusion, there's misinformation online or just just lack of clarity and lots of different messages. So what I'm hearing is that there is hope that they can have effective treatment. Yeah, I think it comes down to finding the right healthcare practitioner you know, finding the right physician who will listen to you. I just heard so many horror stories from patients, just so, so many uh, uh, from, from some physicians that they've, they've worked with. And uh, so just keep searching. I know it's easier said than done, depending on where you live, what kind of insurance you have. It's not easy, but mm-hmm. just keep trying and maybe find some really supportive people online, some supportive groups, because there are some, there's a really good community out there. If you're in with the right people who really support you and can share advice and forget about this, oh, follow Dr. So-and-so, he cured my PCOS with herbs, like that kind of stuff, like run when you hear that. Like you want to find really good people uh, who can help support you and, and, and you, they can really help you with your journey and you feel like you're heard because there are other people in your situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell our listeners how they can find you. I'm sure many people are going to be wanting to look at you online and see what you have to offer. So please tell us where we can find you. Yeah. Um, Instagram is where I hang out. Um, I am the PCOS dietitian. I think there's a bunch of us. So I have periods in between each. So the, um, so that's where I spend a lot of time. I do lots of um, IGTV. So there's lots of good stuff in there. They're long, but check it out. Lots of information. Um, I also have a website, MarthaMcKittrickNutrition.com. And I have a PCOS blog. I have a whole section on PCOS on my website. I have free downloads. Um, I also sell meal meal and snack guides with recipes. It's like 200 pages, digital guides with all kinds of ideas from uh, meal meals for PCOS and recipes. I also have an online course. It's a seven week online course. Um, and that you get a lot of support from me and a lot of information. It's self-study online. So you have lifetime access. And then, um, I am writing a book on PCOS, which will hopefully be out in like six months. And then lastly, I have virtual coaching and, um, I am based in New York city, but I do virtual coaching so I can help you that way too. Amazing. You are busy. That is I am oh, very, yeah, yeah, I'm very busy. Yeah, <laughs> I need to that's... practice my own advice and get more sleep and, <laughs> and have less stress. But <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I, I love that you know we can use the internet and social media for good. And you are putting out so much good information to really help women around the world. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for all of your wisdom that you've shared. This has been so wonderful. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.